You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, loyal managemental listeners. I want to tell you about a great opportunity for the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network and specifically our show, Managemental, which hopefully you tune into each and every week. The great merchandise company, Rockabilia.com, which is a one-stop shop for all band merch. They've got tons of genres over there. I've spent some time exploring. You know, they've got stuff that you know, from our bands that we work with, you know, all the way up to the most popular bands in the entire world. As the guy who negotiated uh, this deal, I am very impressed with how much they support and want to support our podcast network by giving us money, uh, which will absolutely support our hosts in all of their endeavors of what they're doing. And they're also working on ways to support the bands that are comprised of many of our hosts, as well as the bands who appear in the interviews across our network. So since I brought this up to you, you've spent some time over on the site as well, right? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, let me tell you, this is a company that's been around for 30 years. If you're into rock merchandise, this is the place to go. You know, I'm not just a dude in a band. I'm also a fan. And so, you know, I went to the site. I type in Black Sabbath. Pages and pages of killer merch pops up. More so than even the Black Sabbath actual merch page. Because, you know, these guys, they you know, they collect stuff from everywhere. But it's it's all legit licensed merchandise. And it's great. I typed in uh, Cryptic Slaughter, which is my first band. There's actually three pages of official merch there. So I can tell you from the uh, business perspective that these guys are for real. And if you're into band merch, man, this is the place to go. So before we get into today's great episode, please head over to rockabilia.com. By supporting them, you are in turn supporting us. Thank you. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. Well, once again, I'm not on the other coast, but treading and spreading my wings out here in the Midwest this time. So last week was Nashville which I believe was called the Third Coast, and now Chicago, which I know as the Windy City, but um, if somebody's got something for it in regards to music, I can't remember it. But as always, pleased to be here, ready to dig into another fun one, and of course, when you talk about rating and reviewing, uh, it does help us, because I believe we got a little bit of discovery on uh, our boy Ari's blog based on people rating and reviewing our show. Is that correct? Yeah, well, he has a a Google alert. And as many of you know, the format here is that we find a 
relevant article about something that we feel like is uh, beneficial for you guys. Um, Ari Herstan is a writer, a freelance writer, and a lot of his um, articles get picked up in uh, places that we look at, like you know, digital music news, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, um, we have dissected multiple uh, articles of his, and by us doing so, that picked up in his uh, Google alerts, um, and he, I think it was a list of his top uh, podcasts to check out, and we were in that list. We were actually uh, number six, and uh, he gave us some real, uh, he said some real cool things about us. And uh, it was kind of cool because he didn't even know who we were. So I, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it just proves to us that, you know, what we're do- out here doing, you know, with each other, which is, of course, enjoyable. And for all of you, we, we thrive on your feedback and, and what you guys you know, are taking away from it, what you're enjoying. So don't hesitate to write in and, and rate and review. And of course, you know, continue to spread the word uh, wherever you can. And if there's stuff you guys are listening to that you think we should be aware of, you know, Blasco and I are, are always down to, uh, you know, check out new new podcasts. So I just thought it was kind of cool and we should mention it. So yeah, it was very cool. Very cool. In the last episode, we talked about some good advice for playing live inspired by one of our loyal listeners. Uh, that was a cool episode. So check it out if you haven't already. We love to hear from you guys, so please continue to write to us at askblasco at gmail.com. This week, we revisit one of our first ever episodes. I thought I don't remember which one this was, but it was one of the first two or three, probably. And we discussed predictions for 2017. So I figured it would be cool as the year wraps up now that we go back and revisit and see how those turned out. Heck so yeah. this is <laughs> <laughs> so this is gonna be killer. So let's get mental. What? So Mike, uh, we started off this podcast. Uh, a year ago, 46, 46 episodes ago, um, which was at the top of the year, which seems well-timed. And one of our first episodes was rolling through an article that I found that had listed a uh, some anti-predictions, as you will. Um, and so I thought we would go back and revisit those today and see um, how they turned out. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the number, one, number one here was wireless headphones won't take over the world yet oh man first and foremost i'm looking through my notes number this was episode one welcome to 2017 the the thing was you and i started recording so here we are in early december you and i started recording in december and we made our way through a few demos if you recall and this was the first one where you really just said look we don't need to worry about anything other than the article at hand. We don't need to bore people with an hour and a half of our banter. We just need to go in and analyze things. And so you found this predictions one, and it was really fun. And I'm trying to remember because I haven't had the chance to go back and listen to see what my predictions were. So I'm curious, uh, you know, what I thought back then. <laughs> <laughs> how how a year has changed. Exactly. The perspective. And, and now, uh, so I would say. 
you know, back when we first recorded this, I did not own any wireless headphones. Um, since then, I bought a pair of the Apple earbuds, and I love them. Um, and it's not so much, and I haven't tried any of the other wireless earbuds, so they might be great as well. But I like the ease of the Apple ones. Uh, many people asked, you know, if I have challenges losing them, and for a long time I said no, but I currently don't know where they are. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I am oh, wired man. in as we speak, but I don't think that they have taken over the world, but I do think that they absolutely um, have continued to, to, to grow in their use. What about you? Yeah, well, I, I have questions for you then, because I have a pair of wireless headphones that I rarely use because I don't like, like, I just don't like having to charge them. Like, it's just the pain point for me. And I'm just like, I just roll with the ones that I plug in. It's just easier. It's just one less thing to worry about having to charge, right? Especially when you're on the road, right? And we were just in South America. So like, um, we were flying almost every day. So that just would have been a total pain, man. Like having to plug it into the, uh, you know, the adapter because we were in foreign countries and we were flying all the time. So I would have been wearing the battery down. And just like, man, I just rolled with the standard issue, plug in you know uh iphone earbuds the standard the standard no, issue ones, no right? totally so so, I, so I, you I, you have to i would think two things about those wireless earbuds that you have one i would lose them two charging them is a pain in the ass so the charging thing is not a big deal to me i've never had issues with charging stuff i use my computer to charge a lot of stuff i almost always have my computer with me whether it's you know at my office whether i'm traveling and I just set it up at night and, you know, plug two or three USB cables in and whatever needs to get charged, whether it's my phone or those headphones. So it has not been an issue for me. However, I can see how it would be a huge pain in the ass, especially if you're traveling. What I do oftentimes is I have a wired set of headphones with me just in the event that, you know, you know, wireless ones do lose their charge or I can't find them or for some reason it just doesn't make sense. I will say now that I have an upgraded iPhone, I'm up on the X, it's got that different plug-in for the headphones than even this computer has. So mm. that's sort of a bit annoying. You know, now I, without my wireless ones, I actually have to have two sets of wired headphones. I think there is an adapter that came with the, you know, the X, so I could do that. But to me, and another thing for me, as you know, I have a young, a young son, and when I've got him and I'm carrying him and I'm on the phone, if I've got wired headphones in, he loves, to, <laughs> he loves to tug at them. And if I don't, yeah. that that's another uh, bit for me. But I mean, I have just seen a general increase in their use across the board. I mean, when I first of course. got mine, I saw one person with, you know, the Apple ones and thought it was super weird. And now I see them all the time. So, yeah. Uh, number two, speaking of Apple, Apple won't close its iTunes download store yet. You know, I think I said that that is correct. It will not. I think we'll move towards it, and, and that's different than the Apple Music streaming store. Um, and I think what people are still predicting is that eventually, you know, MP3 or, you know, downloads will disappear, and we're, we weren't going to get there in 2017. 
I don't even think we'll quite get there in 2018, but inevitably at some point, you know, Apple's going to understand that, you know, why is it as data signals increase throughout all of the U.S. and the world, you know, and people can just stream and, and more easily, why would you buy a single, you know, instead of just going on and, and paying to stream unlimited uh, for a month? Yeah, man. I mean, look, form follows function, right? You wouldn't buy TV shows one at a time, right? Like on Stranger Things, like you wouldn't buy the episodes individually or, or like as a season, right? I mean, you would, but like it's just much easier to have to have Netflix or to have cable that has all of the channels in there rather than buying things one at a time, right? So in that in, from that perspective, doesn't it make sense that inevitably everyone will just be streaming music because buying songs one at a time or buying albums individually is silly whenever the cost of an album is a cost of a month's worth of endless amounts of music? Well, totally. And I'm sure, you know, even in 20 years, you could find the one person that's like, I only want to buy one song a year. It's the one song I fall in love with, and that's it. And I should be able to do that. You know, for however much this one song costs, a buck twenty-nine. You know, there's always going to be those exceptions, but what's going to happen is it's just not going to become, like you said, the function of what Apple does is just, you know, it's not going to make any sense for them to continue to, you know, populate and maintain a totally separate store for the sake of, you know, a few people that that may want to, you know, stick to nostalgia and download a. for sure uh and then speaking of streaming number three streaming music won't reach 250 million paying subscribers and then i have a little update on that according to ifpi's global music report streaming now makes up the majority roughly 60 percent of digital revenue and for the first time Digital revenues make up 50% of the share of total recorded music industry revenues. Rough estimates show that if 10% of the global population eventually subscribes to a music streaming service, the music industry's worldwide recorded music revenues will far exceed its best year ever, which was 1999. In fact, a recent Goldman Sachs report predicted that streaming will hit $34 billion in revenue in 2030 as part of a healthy $41 billion industry. Man, so, I was there's hoping, that. I was hoping to retire a lot sooner than 2030, <laughs> man. So got to figure out a new strategy here, a new game plan. Yeah, I mean, look, this is what we're all talking about, and I had no clue what the number was. So obviously, I think we both said 250 would be too high, whatever we had back then. If we're only at 100, it obviously is way too high. You know, and it's always interesting and refreshing for me to see these numbers. You know, I think what's so interesting about my career is I never was in the business during like the glory days, you know, or if I was, I was on more of the, you know, tour managing or playing in a punk hardcore band. Like it was sort of like I was intention not intentionally missing it but you know I, I went to see uh one of my bands play the other night and an old friend came out and he used to run you know a record label uh and still does but ran a, a former record label and we were sort of chatting 
about how well the band I work with has continued to grow. And then we were just talking a bit about, you know, the early 2000s and how this guy, he ran a label and they were talking about like battle for Ozfest and, you know, that sort of whole stuff. It was so funny. And then, you know, the label guy was like, yeah, I knew I could put up the buy on money. I could put up all the tour support. I could put up all the co-op money, you know, and I knew I was going to make it back because marketing at that point actually drove sales. And so, you know, it's cool for me as a guy who, you know, got was in the business during that time. But the bands I was working with were not massive. So I'm excited to see increased numbers and how hope that, you know, it, it lets guys like you who work really hard, um, you know, have our day in the <laughs> have our day in the dollars as well. Totally. Uh, number four, the Grammys will not be spectacular. And a little update on that. Independent artists make up 55% of nominations in all non-producer and non-spoken word categories, according to tabulations from A2IM. In 43 of the 81 categories, the majority of nominees were independent were on independent labels. Independent music is doing better than ever with a record global market share of 37.32%, according to Billboard. Last year, more than two-thirds of Grammy nominations were independent releases. Independent music's authenticity, vitality, and genre diversity ensure its keystone role in the recording industry and American culture. Mm. I think what we said last time is, I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> I think the coolest thing that ever happened to the Grammys in my mind was when Mastodon rolled in in that freaking crazy ass suit and the dude in the Dodgers uniform. Like, I feel like that was them winning. Um, you know, I, again, I think like we, like we said last that, you know, in the, in the episode that we covered this stuff previously, it's cool to see people, you know, to see our friends, people that we know get the nominations. I just, yeah, I don't think they're spectacular and frankly, I don't think it's incredibly relevant, but still, sort of like when we go back to the Loudwire Awards, I do think it's cool that there are things that bands can be nominated for and win and hang their hats on that for whatever it's worth. Yeah, and that's why I put in this kind of side note in that, you know, I feel like potentially a lot of people kind of feel like the Grammys is sort of this like alien planet. And, uh, you know, potentially you're never going to visit it. And yeah, in the, in the grand scheme of things, does it mean much? No, but I thought it was refreshing to know that the Grammys are leaning independence. And what that means is to me, what that says is the fact that, um, it, that the, the future of this business does not rely on things like major labels, right? right. Like I, I think that the ability for an independent artist to take it all the way to the Grammys, are we, are we seeing an upward trend in that happening, which to me is refreshing right. because it's like now it's like, it, you know, it just it just makes it feel like for the independent artists, it just makes it feel like they're being acknowledged. There's a chance that um, there actually is longevity and future and, you know, goals that can be obtained now, you know. And so I just wanted to point that out. Yes. But the watching the Grammys in and of itself. Yeah. Snorefest. But <laughs> uh, um, number five, Spotify screws artists 
that term, you know, the narrative of that, you know, the 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 Spotify's fucking over the artists, they aren't getting paid. That narrative will finally die. Interestingly enough, I don't know if it's dead, but I also don't hear it. <laughs> yeah. So what I hear is do everything you can to promote your song and your album on Spotify and get people to follow you and get your monthly listeners up and get people to add your songs to their libraries. You know, it. whether you're still getting screwed or not, I think people have quit caring because Spotify, you know, as we've talked about many times throughout the year, is clearly the front runner in the streaming game. And so it's like there's no time to talk about whether you're getting screwed because if you're not pushing it, not only are you going to get screwed monetarily, but you're not going to get any of the things that go along with, you know, increased spins across the platform. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, I mean, over the course of the year, there's some things that have happened that weren't happening when we did episode one um, it, on Spotify. When you, um, you know, when you think of the power of of now of like everyone shoot like shooting for we have to get our song on a on a spotify sponsored playlist like that wasn't a big deal at the beginning of the year and that's been and over the course of the year that's been something that's become a real like important factor to, to do um not only that i've seen a trend of a few artists uh having the ability to pre-save yep. uh their albums on spotify once again stuff that you didn't see from episode one you know, so I feel like I feel like the whole people are embracing, like you said, we don't have time to complain. It's like the reality is the reality is the reality. And that reality is streaming and Spotify is the king. And we have and if, if we want people to hear our music, we have to embrace the fact that this is where people are listening to music. Yeah, I mean, and a few things there. I mean, just some insights that you know, you guys don't get if you're not in the biz like like Mr. Blasco and I am. You know, we have a band who is currently getting some love on Octane, you know, um, active rock song. And, you know, we had, Octane always has this contest called Hard Drive uh, or Test Drive. I apologize, Hard Drive, something else. And, you know, they put a couple songs up and then they put it up on Twitter and ask people to vote. And, of course, sort of silly to get people to vote in a social media place, you know, for a song because whatever it's almost one of those whoever promotes it the most you know should win but inevitably in the in the insights that we get that those of you out there you know who aren't in the biz don't get is you know we were so we were told it's not really about whether or not we win or lose that's not what they're looking at they're looking at has it increased the band's you know profile is the plays on Octane moving single sales, if those exist, album sales, if those exist, and more importantly, you're streaming on places like Spotify, which I just, you know, I didn't realize until I had a band in there that it was like, cool, they're trying to see if what they're doing makes an impact in places we can measure, which is our Spotify numbers. So. Right. I wonder what happens if that data comes back and the realization is is that it doesn't. Well, thankfully, in our case, it is increasing streams or something's increasing streams. We presume right. it has you know a combination to do with that and getting added on playlists and people are liking the song. If it doesn't, they, they cut it because actually over the summer when I was working another release, we went up for that. It didn't really make a mark and, you know, it, it got, you know, pulled. I'm sure there's multiple, multiple, multiple factors. And um yeah, I mean, the pre-save thing is cool. We're doing that with one of our artists, uh, Good Tiger, who's got a record coming out in, in the new year. And 
we've got that functionality up, which which is cool. So yeah, got to be a bunch uh, of other stuff that I'm sure we're not even thinking about that you know that comes out during during 2018. For sure. Uh, number six, the music industry won't change YouTube. Um, and I don't even know. I mean, in all honesty, I haven't. I, I have not paid a ton of attention in the YouTube space. Um, you know, and it is, it's so interesting in, in the roles that we sit in and how much time you do or don't have to pay attention to everything. You know what I mean? Like, it's like in my, from my perception, there's an expert on my teams that knows <laughs> what's going on with YouTube. You know what I mean? And, and I'm still creating videos and great content that go along hand in hand with single releases and album stuff. And I'm presuming that the powers that be uh, are going to be the ones who, who in, you know, tell me when we should focus on YouTube versus not. What, what's your takeaway from it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the war with YouTube over their micropayments, um, you know, I, I, I don't... I don't feel like they're budging uh, much on and, you know, and at the end of the day, why should they? And maybe I'm a little off base on this, but I'm kind of being hopeful that from a consumer standpoint, from a fan standpoint, um, maybe whenever we aired episode one uh, and anything that predates that in the year or two before, YouTube was a convenient place for kids to go to listen to music, you know, that you could pretty much find anything that you wanted, you know, there, like it was just like everybody, you know, everybody had the albums yeah, I mean, or songs. It was sort of the original streaming platform, right? Exactly. But now, you know, you can't make a playlist. You can't share that. There's, there's a lot of functionality that comes with a Spotify that YouTube doesn't come with when it, when it's uh, in regards to music consumption, right? So in it, I'm hopeful that the the battle with the labels and YouTube becomes maybe somewhat uh, not no longer a prerogative in that streaming services like Spotify are able to convert those YouTube consumers over to a more proper platform for the functionality sake. And then we can leave YouTube for more content creation rather than music streaming. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, it, it almost makes me think back to the days when you and I were growing up and you had radio, which was just audio component. And then you had, of course, MTV or other, you know, video platforms. And there was absolutely a difference in how and when and where and why you listen to those. We didn't have a TV in our car, so we weren't watching videos in our car, but we were listening to radio. You know, for me, when I was at home, I was watching MTV because I liked the visual component that went along with it. So it, it actually, I mean, one side note, and I know I, I, I've talked about this with you privately, I am looking at when we create video content what is it that we're creating and, and what expense is it? And I guess, you know, where I'm getting at when I explore this is the idea of going and shooting a traditional music video to me, I'm not going to say it's completely dead because there is some artistic component to it, but it's almost like why, if that's going to cost you 2,500 to 10,000, you know, depending on your budget and your everything else, like why not create a, just a different piece of visual content, whether that's, you know, artwork manipulation, lyric video or whatever, you know, for far less of the cost 
because I just don't know how much people are paying attention to the actual visual. Do you have a, a take on that? Yeah, I mean, look, fair point. Um, you, you know, it's the future. The future is unwritten, and where things are going to go, and and how creative we can all be. Um, I think is is an exciting point. Is an exciting moment in time for us all to be experiencing in the music business because it things used to be so repetitive in that you know, that, that and predictable in that we made a record, we made a music video, the music, we shopped the music video. It went, you know what I mean? It was all so like formulaic. And, and now I feel like it's exciting because it's like, man, the, the, the doors are wide open. We can, we can do anything, you know, just for the sake of content creation. We recently, um, released for one of our clients, they have a private Facebook group and we, we leaked to them 30 seconds of an unreleased track from the album that comes out in January. And with the idea in mind that, hey, we're going to give you, hey, Facebook group of, you know, uh, super fans, we're going to give you this opportunity to check out this little bit of the song that no one else has ever heard. But in payment for doing that, we want you to make reaction videos um, of yourself listening to them. And then in return, we will post those on the band socials, you know? So it's, it's, and we were able to create a lot of content out of that. Now, is that a music video on some regard? Yeah. I mean, even though it's only 30 seconds of a song, we still got multiple videos out of it and guess how much it cost us nothing (laughs) so so you know what i mean it's kind of come comes down to just the 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 level of uh creativeness that you you know you can bring to this and and um and yeah man i like i totally agree yeah and Um, i think i mean this will be my last point and i know we've talked about it in previous episodes i'm excited because to me so much of what we're doing i mean making video content People have been doing that forever. I'm excited to see like where that next technology is, you know, with the VR stuff and and all of that, just to to see what experiences as that technology decreases in price and becomes much more reasonable. You know, what is that? What is our interaction with with visuals and music going to be? So. Yeah. Uh, number seven, vinyl won't disappoint. And a side note on vinyl, uh, sales reports from the most coalition of independent music stores show Black Friday sales increases range from plus 5% to an astounding plus 53% with an average increase of 13.8%. Only two stores reported decreases from their 2016 sales, while a couple reported flat even sales. Less comprehensive data from Small Business Saturday was also positive, ranging from flat to a positive 19% over 2016 sales. Now, this is independent music stores of which there is a lot of vinyl, you know, in there. Um, vinyl is on the rise again. Uh, it definitely didn't disappoint this year. And just the fact to me that there is moments of a 50% increase in sales over the course of a Black Friday uh, and or record store days, uh, things of that nature in the independent music stores, what little we have left of them is exciting and refreshing to me yeah no i uh, yeah well said i I don't have anything to add (laughs) (laughs) uh number eight streaming will grow the number of streaming streaming companies won't yeah i mean i i 
feel like that's what we're seeing and what we've talked about, you know, and again, uh, my finger isn't always 100% on the pulse of what's happening. I know places like Facebook um, and Amazon are, are, you know, inserting their feet a little bit more into the music space. You know, I think Amazon has a streaming platform already, you know, and it gets associated with the Prime account or something. And that, you know, I don't know exactly where that is. And then, you know, Facebook and YouTube are, of course, always warring and you know what is facebook's move and and how is that going to be you know integrated and and will it be something that that makes sense so i mean the thing is those are already existing companies uh though i don't think that they're big in the streaming space but many of the streaming you know i i do agree with this uh, you know i think this prediction did come true i don't think there are more and more you know people coming in trying to compete with uh the spotify's and the apple musics what about you no, streaming definitely did grow this year, and um, there was no new uh, Spotify competitors on my radar. However, something that did happen this year in the streaming space that you you see more of now and you will see more of next year is the idea of streaming record labels. So you've got something like Amuse, and even you're seeing this trend of people predicting that Spotify is going to start their own record label. And um, there's actually another one that I'm forgetting the name of. But the, the basically what's happening is with the analytics that you can pull from streaming numbers, there are companies that are starting up that are now, you know, that now those analytics, if you have high streaming analytics, there are people that are going to be reaching out to you and offering you record deals in the digital space. So, um, you know, I might dig into that for my prediction for next year, but I just thought that I would mention that, that, um, that, uh, this number eight was correct, but I am seeing something that where streaming is building in a lateral uh, in a lateral position of streaming record labels. All right. My prediction that, my first, that you will my, see more of my first prediction for 2018 is that we don't call it a record label. If it's Spotify, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, what is the record part of it? It is a, you know, content delivery, uh, label, I guess that's what I got. My prediction was someone will acquire and resurrect Metal Hammer and Classic Rock magazines. And, and that, to my knowledge, that did happen. Yeah, I think you're right. I know that they uh, they acquired them. I'm not sure if, if we can judge whether they've been resurrected or not. <laughs> yes. Uh, and your prediction was this year is the year of the podcast for the music industry. And I don't know if you can quantify that, but I feel like podcasts are, have definitely not uh, devalued themselves in popularity over the course of the year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's one of those in thinking back, you know, I would probably say that same prediction this year for 2018. You know what I mean? Which just means podcasts continue to move, you know, in the direction that they have been, which is more and more people are paying attention to them. Um, and there's more monetization opportunities. And hell, we got recognized by Ari's, you know, blog. So I would say this was definitely the year for our podcast. Thanks, Ari. 
<laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, I mean, from where we started versus if that's how we're going to end our year with some recognition from someone like that in the biz, then I would give you a virtual high five right now. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, I think that I kind of already touched on it, but my prediction for 2018 is that you're going to see more of a trend of the uh, the digital record label. Like the the digital content provider, um, you're going to see more of those. Those those are going to pop up more as as there's more analytics in the world. You're going to see people reaching out and uh, embracing the independent artists that have done their work and built a buzz and created a lot of streams and views and uh, you know friending et cetera et cetera whatever that is. Whenever those analytics all start to match up, you're going to see people creating labels that are chasing after those things, putting some money behind those things and trying to uh, boost them to the next level. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, uh, I still value a great first week of of sales for the artists that I've worked to develop, Um, you know, and it's sort of, I know that eventually that will go away. And in some of those conversations, just because sales will no longer really be you know, physical sales and digital sales and those streaming does get accounted into those, you know, sales are going to continue to to disappear and people are going to just, you know, not value that first week as much. And I was saying, I think it's great. Like what I love about technology and where we are is that we are moving towards, you know, uh, a system of more transparency. It's no longer as many smoke, as, as much smoke, nor as many mirrors and what somebody else said, you know, very astutely was, well, is it really this, you know, equal playing field if, you know, just like back in the days of radio, people spent time, energy, effort, making sure that, you know, their band songs got onto, you know, got added to stations. It's sort of the same thing here with playlists, right? If you've got more money and you've got more influence and you're at a label per se, or in this case, I mean, if you're directly signed to Spotify, who on earth do we think is going to not prioritize that, you Mm -hmm. know, on all the playlists? Mm -hmm. So it really, you know, I don't quite yet have a prediction for 2018. I'll work on that between now and, you know, when we, when we actually end the year, or maybe we'll even do a 2018 predictions, you know, full on episode uh, to start off 2018, like we did this year. But yeah, I'm just fascinated to, to watch it all unfold. It is an exciting time, especially if you, you know, have what it takes to kind of roll with the punches, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, that concludes episode 46. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Uh, just the normal things, you know, uh, continue to go and support Rockabilia who have been sponsoring us on these episodes. It's been great. Um, good place to go buy, uh, some Christmas gifts 
And other than that, follow me up on the Twitters and Instagrams at Mike O'Loop. And as always, we are continuing to launch new great things on the coaching platform. So go to OuterLoopCoaching.com. I'm pretty sure by the time this episode airs, we will have a new free digital download product that's given away just for going over and checking out the page. Um, and in 2018, that'll, that'll probably be my prediction: is that uh, my coaching platform will get uh, will have a lot of time, a lot more time spent on it um, because we're developing some really, really fun and useful things uh, for for the people who listen to this show. Very cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Peace. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The, the Corner, Corner of Grey Street. Street.